Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. This is the Tom Hartman Program. I did publish an article, an op-ed over at HartmanReport.com. It's titled, Next Right-Wingers on the Court Want to Take Your First Amendment Rights. And I published it because it was the 4th of July, and it was a story about the founding of our republic, about how John Adams, back in 1798, when he was president, our first president was George Washington, then came John Adams, and then in the election of 1800, Thomas Jefferson beat Adams. Jefferson was Adams' vice president, by the way. In 1798, John Adams got seriously pissed off at a bunch of newspapers. There was about 20 of these. They called them Democratic-Republican newspapers, or sometimes they just referred to them as Republican newspapers. Adams was, of course, a Federalist. He was our first genuinely conservative president. And he was very, very upset that these newspapers were not on his side. They were calling him out. Benjamin Franklin Bach, Ben Franklin's grandson, they called him Lightning Rod Jr., published a newspaper called The Aurora in Massachusetts. And he published a, an op-ed, an opinion piece, an editorial, saying that Adams was old, toothless, querulous, balding, and blind Adams was the phrase that he used, if I'm remembering correctly. It's in the article. And uh, Adams went nuts, and, and his wife, Abigail, as well. And we, we know more about what she had to say about it than what Adams had to say about it, because her writings have endured over the last 240 years. She basically went to Congress and said, you guys have to do something, as did her husband, as did John Adams. And so they passed the Alien Sedition Acts, a set of four laws that made it a crime to criticize the president or the government of the United States. And the day that Adams signed the legislation, before it even went into effect, it went into effect the following day, the day that he signed it, he had Benjamin Franklin Bach arrested. And then he had 20 other publishers arrested. Ten of them ended up with long prison sentences for criticizing the president. Jefferson, the day that Adams signed this bill, left town and never again spoke to John Adams in person for the rest of his life, even though he was vice president for the next two years. Never again saw him in person. They struck up a correspondence later in their, 
in their old age and kind of made up with each other. It was brokered by uh, Dr. Rush, uh, Dr. Benjamin Rush. But this was a big deal that John Adams, you know, was defying the First Amendment. And, you know, we all had thought kind of we got past that. You know, there was a, a half-hearted attempt by Woodrow Wilson during World War I to do the same thing. We got another Alien and Sedition Act, but that was specifically about people who were trash-talking World War I. It was much more narrow in scope and, and not much less widely applied and didn't include criticism of President Wilson, although it was still a terrible piece of legislation. But, you know, we had, we had all thought, this ain't going to ever happen again. Well, now we've got this case where a hate group came before the Supreme Court and said that uh, the Southern Poverty Law Center has designated us a hate group, and this is hurting our fundraising and our efforts to promote our hate, and uh, therefore we would like to sue the Southern Poverty Law Center into bankruptcy for libel. But the problem is you can't sue, a uh, public figures can't sue. So, you know, if you're a, a hate group and you put your name out there, you're a public figure. You can't sue somebody. Uh, you know, it's like, I can't sue somebody if they trash talk me. I mean, there's people, there was a guy on Twitter just a few minutes ago calling me a fascist. I can't sue him. I'm a public figure. I'm okay with that. This was decided in 1984 in a U.S. Supreme Court decision called New York Times v. Sullivan. Uh, was nailed down. It was broadly believed to be the law for, you know, 100 years before that. But the Supreme Court finally nailed it down in 84. So anyhow, this group comes to the Supreme Court and says, we want to sue the Southern Poverty Law Center, the SPLC. And the Supreme Court says, no, we're not going to take the case. But Clarence Thomas issues a dissenting opinion, saying, no, we should take this case. And in a case last year, Neil Gorsuch said essentially the same thing. So we've got two of the right-wingers on the Supreme Court who want to do away with the protection, basically, that you and I have to go on Twitter and say, you know, I think Biden's a terrible president, or I think, you know, uh, Trump is a terrible president, or whatever. You know, to, you know, I'm not saying Biden's a terrible president. I think he's a damn good president, actually. But, but you get my point. If this... If this uh, Times v. Sullivan is blown up and you go on Twitter and you criticize Ted Cruz, he can sue you. And or you criticize Clarence Thomas and he can sue you. And in fact, that's what you know, Clarence Thomas said in his dissent. He said that commentators cast false aspersions on public figures with near impunity. Well, yeah, that's called free speech. But Thomas is not happy about that and neither is Gorsuch unless you think that you know, we dodged the bullet because they didn't pick up this case. I would like to point out to you that Clarence Thomas, in previous dissents, said that there's no right to the abortion in the Constitution. He said that like years ago, and now it's law. He said there's no right to vote for president in the Constitution. That was in 2000, 22 years ago. It's law now. He said there's no constitutional power to sustain the EPA in the Constitution three years ago, and that's law now. He argued that the right to a gun is sacrosanct, and that is now law now. So when Clarence Thomas speaks as the senior most and arguably most powerful member of the Supreme Court right now, we should all listen. We need to be paying attention to this. And now to, to further complicate this, in South Carolina, the a, a, a bunch of Republican legislators have introduced legislation that makes it a crime to tell a pregnant woman how to get an abortion, or to run a website that tells pregnant women how to find an abortion. 
or directs people to abortion or talks about how to self-administer an abortion. Now, that I can get, you know, that's dangerous. That could be considered medical advice. But everything else, I mean, they're, they're posting a website? Now, it probably won't become law in South Carolina, but who knows? This is a very dangerous beginning. This is a very dangerous precedent. They've already blown up our abortion laws. They've done away with our Miranda rights. They've gutted our union rights. They've gutted our voting rights. This is the Supreme Court, the date I'm talking about. They've filled our nation with guns. And now they're coming after reporters and you and me if we speak out. I'm very concerned about this and the broad direction that the Supreme Court is going. And I think that we need to be pushing back loud and hard. It's time to expand the court. It's time to impose a code of judicial ethics on the court. I mean, Clarence Thomas ruled in a case to keep his own wife's behavior a secret. He was the lone dissenting vote. How does that not get you impeached? This is the Tom Hartman Program. So the Supreme Court has taken away our Fourth Amendment, Fifth Amendment, Miranda rights, our Fourteenth Amendment rights. Is the First Amendment next? Speaking of ripping up our First Amendment rights, as I was just, uh, you know, going through how it looks like this is going to be up next on, uh, at least it's uh, it's up next for Gorsuch and Thomas. They're they're looking at this very carefully. Down in Florida, Ron DeSantis just signed a piece of legislation, uh, actually this is a week or so ago, that would require Florida students and professors in Florida colleges to register their political views with the state. This is a piece by Brett Bachman published over at Salon.com. Public universities in Florida will, require, will be required to survey both faculty and students on their political beliefs and viewpoints with the institutions at risk of losing their funding if the responses are not satisfactory to the state's Republican-led legislature. This is a part that he, he writes of a long-running nationwide right-wing push to promote, quote, intellectual diversity on campus. Uh, the uh, responses, by the way, will not be anonymous. Uh, DeSantis said, it used to be thought that a university campus was a place where you'd be exposed to a lot of different ideas. Unfortunately, now the norm is these are more intellectually repressive environments. You have orthodoxies that are promoted and other viewpoints are shunned or even suppressed. Yes, it's true. There are Nazis who want to come on our campuses and give speeches, and we have colleges that are saying, no, no Nazis. You've got white supremacists who want to come on campus and give speeches, and you've got campuses and colleges saying, no, we're not going to put white supremacists, you know, in front of a classroom. Uh, I mean, it's just, how is this, well, okay, so DeSantis, uh, also uh, state representative, uh, or state senator, excuse me, uh, Ray Rodriguez is the sponsor of this. According to the Tampa Bay Times, both Santos and Rodriguez suggested that the state could institute budget cuts if university students and staff do not respond in a satisfactory manner. Quote, that's not worth tax dollars, and that's not something we're going to support going forward, DeSantis said, of supporting universities. He went on to point out that there are, he says, quote, there's a lot of parents who worry that their children are being indoctrinated on campus. The Senate President Wilton Simpson of the Florida Senate called the institution socialism factories. 
And uh, in addition to the survey, this, this bill also contains a language that prevents officials from limiting campus speech that, quote, may be uncomfortable, disagreeable, or offensive. Now, this is really interesting. In elementary schools, they're saying you can't teach the racial history of America or the history of slavery because it makes our kids uncomfortable. But in the colleges, they're saying you can't ban people from speaking because what they say may make you uncomfortable. Why is that? Well, because they want to make it easier for groups like the Klan or the Proud Boys to hold events on campus. It's very straightforward. One of the top lobbyists pushing the bill is a guy named Barney Bishop. And uh, he said that uh, the bill is less about intellectual diversity and more concerned with maintaining, these are not, this is not a verbatim quote, this is from the article in Salon, and more concerned with maintaining the country's conservative Christian identity in the face of younger, more diverse generations. Uh, Bishop, this is the top legislator who pushed this legislation through, also told the paper, he's talking about the Tampa Day, or the Miami Herald, rather, uh, quote, he certainly hopes the effort will expand into the K-12 through system over time. He said, I think the problem isn't just in higher ed. The truth of the matter is that kids are being indoctrinated from an early age. Right. And, of course, so now you've got Gavin Newsom running ads in Florida saying... You know, your governor is taking away your freedoms. He's taking away your freedoms, kid, to learn learn in the public schools. He's, take, he's taking away, I mean, he's just, he, he just goes through the whole list. It's, it's absolutely fascinating. Uh, we, should, we should, in fact, find, I'll do it tomorrow. We'll, we'll find and play the clip of that ad because it's just, it's a masterpiece. Anyhow, let's pick up some of your phone calls here. John in Bowie, Maryland. Hey, John, what's on your mind today? I do believe that with all these Supreme Court decisions, it has definitely impacted the credibility of the Supreme Court. And I think one of the Supreme Court justices made an excellent statement in that they are supplanting the expertise of organizations, of professionals, whether it be medical professionals or professionals in the EPA. It's just amazing to me how with very little, very little education, they can make a ruling on subjects that they're not really, or really they really don't have the expertise to You talk know, the about. CPA case, they did not even invite expert testimony. They just listened to the lawyers and said, okay, we're going to say that the EPA can't control, can't regulate CO2. Sorry, guys. Good luck. And the legislatures have to now be the uh, scientific experts. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity. And what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. 
Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Jeff in Dayton, Ohio. Hey, Jeff, what's on your mind today? Listening to you about the uh, Citizens United, uh-huh. and I just had a idea that why couldn't they make a Senate House ethics rule stating they must recuse themselves on any vote or any issue they have received money from any corporation or dark money interest outside their district I, on penalty of expulsion. I, I'm, I'm with you, Jeff. What you're talking about is a judicial code of ethics, which is in place for all federal judges except the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court has exempted themselves from it. So you've got Supreme Court members like, you know, Thomas, who, who goes out and gives speeches and gets huge fees, and his wife, who, who has taken, you know, probably over a million dollars, maybe, maybe far more than that over the years. I mean, she used to make, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars from Heritage and some of these other things. And, you know, Alito, and I, I mean, it's just like the, 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 it's corrupt. And then you've got, you know, decisions. Neil Gorsuch's mother used to run the EPA under Reagan, tried to shut it down, tried to destroy the EPA. So he's ruling on the EPA. Amy Coney Barrett's father for 30 years was a lawyer for Shell Oil. She's ruling on the EPA. They, they have clear conflicts of interest and they should be recusing themselves. Amy Coney Barrett was a member of a, of a Catholic cult. Um, where she literally referred to herself as a handmaid. It was Handmaid Barrett. That's what they called her when she was in this cult. And she's ruling on abortion? Really? I mean, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's nuts. I'm with you, Jeff. We need a, we need a, uh, we need a, congr- or a, a, a code of ethics for the Supreme Court. Dr. Robert in Bainbridge Island, Washington. Hey, Dr. Robert, what's up? I want to talk about a letter I just submitted to the journal Nature. Mm-hmm. They take commentaries now and then. And correspondence. Yep. Uh, it's called The Science of Sedition, and it actually bears on what you've been talking about regarding this pseudoscientific term that's been bandied about called uh, stochastic violence or stochastic terrorism. Right. You've heard that term, I believe. I've written about it. Yeah. Excellent. Well, the uh, requirement, I believe, that the discipline of science overall has right now is to stop uh, allowing misuse of that term and actually study it as a public health issue. As you say, you know, there's scientific ways of looking at things like the base rate fallacy that you talked about, you know, the number of cars in an area mm-hmm. uh, and having to do with accidents. Uh, if you don't look at that scientifically, you can draw all sorts of very dangerous false conclusions that uh, uh, the uh, fascistically oriented might like to draw. But I believe that it's time for something like the Manhattan Project, at least within the public health sphere, to look into what is stochastic violence. It's, you know, the, the general idea, I think you've highlighted it, is that you can sort of stir the pot. You don't directly say to someone, go kill someone. 
but you sort of stir the pot so that uh, Trump says, you know, let's go to the let's go to the Capitol and take care of them. Right. And that's um, that's arguably yeah, even more specific than the typical pot stirrer who is simply out there saying, you know, uh, our country is being taken away. And, 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 you know, in 1776, they fought back with guns and then boom. Yes, yeah, exactly. I, I think the other metaphor other than stirring the pot is throwing the lighted match. Yeah. Uh, I saw that in the commentary, and that's more what it's really close to, is, you know, putting the right uh, f- fuel to the right combustion, and then it's going to burn, and you, yeah. you can say, I, didn't, I don't remember throwing your match. Well, I'd but love to see your article. If, if it's not, I, you know, I subscribe to Nature, and I get their uh, daily uh, email newsletter, but uh, if it's not published, uh, feel free to send it to me. I'd love to see it. Hi. I will. Actually, they're, they're very stringent. They made me cut it down to 250 words, and it was very difficult. Because well, that's a good sign, though. That means that they are, they're, they're considering it for publication. Yeah, I hope they do. But in any case, I'll send it to you because I'd like to have it circulate in the people that listen to your show. You know, the people that yeah. don't listen to your show, probably nothing is going to help them. But this is evidence that we could push for. And scientists in general want to get to the bottom of things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and this isn't, I mean, you're putting it in the context of public health, I, I take it, from the, from the way you're talking. I think it should also be put in the context of national security. Uh, well, actually, you know, that's interesting you should say that, because uh, the former FDA uh, administrator, that was the point he made about COVID, is that it's not just public health in the narrowest sense. It's a national security issue. Right. And public health and national security are, are overlapped. I want to just... Also, and I just got a call from a relative and an old friend in California who said that uh, Trump has finally gone too far. They're a lifelong Republican and always voted for Trump. But now they're thinking of moving. I said, where? They said, out of California because of Governor Newsom. He's the problem. Oh, geez. (laughs) Can you believe that? Yeah, yeah. Well, the flip side of that, we had a call from an old friend over the weekend who's moving to Portugal. Just like, I'm, I'm over it with the fascism. And I'm like, don't leave. You know, we need to fight. No, no, I'm moving. Edgar in Muskegon Heights, Michigan. Hey, Edgar, what's up? I was uh, listening to uh, the news the other day, and they were talking about some things that that young guy that did that shooting, he had posted uh, some of his thoughts in the on, on, online. And I, I say, saw one of them. That there's got to be a way to begin to get at the, 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 that's the foundation of our action, how we think, what we think about. Uh, the Bible said, as a man thinketh, so is he. And if you think about having a relationship with a woman that's not your wife, you are an adulterer already. And uh, I, somehow we got to change the way we think. Yeah. We, 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 I see people let somebody that tell them two and two is three, and they've been knowing all their life. It's been four. Yeah, people and refer somehow, people refer to it, uh, Edgar as the uh, battle for hearts and minds, and I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, any suggestions on how to do this? I, 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 I think uh, one thing came to my mind. We begin. We should it should be a part of our education mm-hmm. that we uh, we ask uh, we ask questions and we. Uh, how would you uh, 
We, of course, in yeah, the, critical thinking skills. Thinking. That's that's what you're talking about. I mean, they're, in most countries, they teach critical thinking in schools. We don't here in the yeah. United States, and we should. Right. How do you evaluate something? How does a scientist evaluate a, a hypothesis or an assertion? How should we understand the media? Finland has started a whole, a whole program teaching kids how to how to look at social media and realize that the algorithms are pushing stuff at you constantly that you maybe you don't want and maybe doesn't reflect actually widespread public opinion. So I'm with you, Edgar. I think, uh, you know, uh, absolutely. Mike, and thank you for the call. Mike in Arlington, Texas. Hey, Mike, what's up? My concern is uh, messaging that the Democrats are using. And uh, one thing I think we could call the Supreme Court is a Sharia court. And uh, my thinking on that is uh, it surely means God's law, and the same God is in the Torah, uh, uh, the Koran, the Bible. They're all the same God, so why not just, if, if the Republicans can use CRT and misname that, and they hate the name Sharia courts, Sharia law, why not just call it a Sharia court? Well, because I don't want to trash talk Islam, uh, you know. Uh, but uh, you know, I get your point. I mean, it's so, not it's not that so different. The Supreme Court would be an insult to the to the Islam. Yeah, I mean, there are countries. Uh, Sharia law does not require that people be beheaded if they uh, speak against the king. I mean, you know, the way that Sharia law is instituted in Saudi Arabia is radically different from the way that Sharia law is instituted in in uh, many other Muslim countries. And right, so, and I would agree with that. And and so uh, you know, I think it's important not to uh, not to use but somebody else's religion as an insult, as an insult against our court. I, I totally get your point, and and right. you know, ju- try to ju- try to justify this stuff with religion, particularly Alito with his abortion decision, quoting you know, 14th century witch burners, uh, is nuts. But uh, you know, and and I and I and I think that we need to come up with some new name for our court. Um, but uh, Sharia wouldn't be it for me. But Mike, I get what you're saying, and I and I understand and agree with your sentiment broadly. Thank you for the call, Scott in California City, California. Hey, Scott, what's up? Aloha, my brother. Hey. Um, Did you say aloha? Aloha, my brother. Hey, you, uh, you must have lived in Hawaii at some point. Aloha, Scott. What's on your mind? Well, I'm I'm, I'm originally from Wake Island. Oh, okay. Oh, way up, way over there in the Pacific. Yes. So what's on your and, mind? Um, well, I've lived my entire life <clears throat> uh, realizing my ignorance on a great many topics that I know very little or nothing about. And <clears throat> my, my realization of my own ignorance prevents me from being stuck on stupid. And so many people out there, uh, they, they get a little bit of information, and next thing you know, they, they wrote the book on it because they're the uh, subject matter expert. Right. And uh, so when a, when a person's uh, lack of knowledge or skill in, 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 in different areas, it usually causes people to overestimate their own confidence. Yeah, there's also a whole psychological syndrome, uh, Dunning-Kruger, I think it's called, where you know people overestimate their expertise. But yes. I, you know, yeah, I, I, I get your point, and, and 
And I also think that there's this kind of cultural fear of saying I'm wrong. There's certainly, I mean, you know, you, you, you will not ever find a Republican who's willing to say I'm wrong or I made a mistake. It's, it's just like it's part of the party doctrine. And very rarely will Democrats do it. You know, people in politics are very afraid of this. And, and you know, I say I don't know or I was wrong all the time. And I, and I feel like that actually enhances my credibility if I don't know, and I'll, but I'll look it up. Or I was wrong, I made a mistake, but I'm going to correct it here. I think that's what people have to do. And so, Scott, I, I, I applaud you for understanding the, the limitations of your own, of your own understanding. It, it, more of us need to be thinking that way. George in Lakewood, Colorado. Hey, George, what's on your mind today? I just had the subject of, uh, of the television shows. There's a marathon of murder shows that never, uh, it isn't interrupted by any other kind of show. It's just continuous. And I think that it's bad for adults and kids. I don't underestimate the impact of media, George. And um, I believe it was, I believe it was Bill Maher did a really good piece. Might have been, it might have been John Oliver did a really good piece on guns and violence and and the relationship there between, you know, and and our movies are all about revenge and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure it was Bill Maher, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and it was really very thoughtful. I thought it was great. Um, but, uh, but, but let's keep in mind that there are countries all over the world where these same video games are being played, and in some cases even more gruesome, like in Japan, and they do not have a problem with mass shootings or mass murders or mass violence. So, you know, it's not, it's not just that simple. George, excellent point, though. Um, by the way, let me just lay two questions on the table here. Number one, I, I just caught this story over on uh, Drudge, NBCNews.com. Uh, Communities across the United States were left shaken after fireworks were mistaken for gunfire during multiple Fourth of July celebrations. They talk about one in Orlando where 12 people were injured. Fireworks went off and people started stampeding, thinking they were being shot at. Another one in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Another one, another one in Philadelphia, etc. Is it time to end fireworks? I can tell you my cats would be very happy if we ended fireworks, as would the bunnies that live in our neighborhood and the birds and and, uh, you know, I'm fine if we just stopped using fireworks for the 4th of July, number one. And number two, I'm going to play this, this uh, ad that Gavin Newsom is running down in Florida right now. And uh, my question for you is, uh, do you think he might be, not do you think he might be running for president? Obviously, he's running for president. Do you think he has a shot at it, uh, either in 2024 or 2028? Here's the ad. It's Independence Day. So let's talk about what's going on in America. Freedom, it's under attack in your state. Your Republican leaders, they're banning books, making it harder to vote, restricting speech in classrooms, even criminalizing women and doctors. I urge all of you living in Florida to join the fight or join us in California, where we still believe in freedom, freedom of speech, freedom to choose, freedom from hate, and the freedom to love. Don't let them take your freedom. Paid for by Newsom for... <laughs> Newsom. Kevin Newsom. I think he's, he's, he, he wants to be um, America's uh, Justin Trudeau. And I, I frankly think he has a shot at it. So, you know, I mean, we'll see how it shakes out, right? And we'll uh, the Democratic primary is going to be real interesting if there is one. I'm assuming that there will be, uh, you know, in a year and a half uh, or thereabouts. But Gavin Newsom is putting down markers. And he's taking on Ron DeSantis. Good on you, Gavin. 
Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. James in Turlock, California. Hey, James, what's on your mind today? Well, what's on my mind is the Supreme Court. Of course, there's so many decisions I've disagreed with over the last week, but uh, the one reversing Roe versus Wade brought me to mind that I think it's pushed us back even further than the 50 years since Roe because my dad was a small-town doctor in Nebraska and uh, in about 67 or 68. I'm your age when I was a junior or senior sophomore in high school, and it was a question in the news. Sometimes I'd hear stories about it, so I asked him, have you ever performed an abortion? He said yes, and I was kind of shocked, and I said, isn't that illegal? And what he said to me is, well, if the mother's life is in danger, then it's okay. It's not illegal. Mm. And I looked kind of puzzled, I guess, because he continued on and said, if a woman says to me that she's going to kill herself if her parents or her boyfriend or her husband or somebody finds out that she's pregnant, then her life is in danger. And yes, I would do that then yeah. without asking anybody. It was part of the league. And remember, the Hippocratic Oath starts with first do no harm. So, you know, scientifically, those doctors didn't believe they were hurting. Yeah, when, they, I, they when I was in high school, James, I knew, and this was in the, you know, 66, 67, I knew of two uh, girls who, you know, big, big colleagues of mine, as it were, um, who had abortions. One was an illegal abortion and she died. And the other was a, was a, a girl who simply, uh, you know, I, I, I know who impregnated her. And she went in and said that she was having a really hard time with her period and she needed to, ha to be scraped, uh, DNC. Yeah. And uh, they yeah. did it, and that was the end of that. And everybody, it was a wink and a nod. I mean, uh, if you could afford to pay for sure. the abortion, um, you know, which was just a few hundred dollars back then, um, you know, you, well, you could get it. But I, it's going to be a whole different world for young women now. Just remember, when we were young... Models. We were understood in school, even as elementary, and, and we couldn't marry our first cousins because that could lead to some hereditary monster or something like that. You know, now 
that, even that, you know, um, a father raping his daughter or brother or something, you can't even get an abortion for, uh, I call it a therapeutic abortion because I worked for Medicaid for a while and we just called it a TA, you know, because the word is so, so offensive, abortion to some people. So to me, it's a therapeutic abortion and almost everybody that gets one, there's some therapy about it, you know, for right. them anyhow. Right. Yeah, the <laughs> anyhow, bottom line though is, is that, you know, James, uh, as two guys sitting here who will never have to confront that horrible choice, I mean, we may have a spouse sure. or friend or, or a child who does, but um, really this is, and, and I'm not one of those guys who says, oh, we should just leave this entirely up to the women, um, you know, because men have to vote too, and we need to vote for people who give women the power right. to choose that. But this really is the choice of a woman and or a, well, a, a person who is pregnant. I hear you, Tom. Thanks for all the education you've given me over yeah. the years. Thank you, James, for the call and, and for, the, for your kind words. Good talking to you. Will in Broomfield, Colorado. Hey, Will, what's on your mind? Couple things about the uh, about the uh, Roe v. Wade decision today, Tom. First mm -hmm. of all, and as, as bad as it is, I'm thinking big picture here. It's potentially disastrous in two ways. Number one, they're not just overturning Wade, Roe v. Wade. They're laying the groundwork to just overturn Marbury versus Madison. No, they they're want Marbury versus Madison. If they overturn well, that, well, they lose no. their power. Well, no, they're saying right now, you know what? That precedent was a bad precedent. We're going to change it because we've changed our minds. Facts haven't changed. Who's saying that, changed. Will? That's that's what that's that's the rationale behind the original behind the original brief. That's what they said. Roe v. Wade needs to be changed because it's we don't like the precedent. There's two kinds of conservatives. There's a there's a political conservative and a legal conservative. No, I get all that, but, and we just have 51 seconds, Will. What are you? T who is talking about? For people who don't know what we're talking about, in 1803, this, the Supreme Court ruled in Marbury versus Madison that the Supreme Court could strike down laws. President Thomas right. Jefferson and now, went and now nuts. They're saying, and now, well, now they're, well, now what they're saying is that we can strike down laws whenever we want to. We don't need to rely on precedent to do it. That's what Marbury versus Madison said. Oh, Marbury wasn't about precedent. But I was about saying that the Supreme Court can, can, issue, can issue a law unconstitutional only, but they're broadening the definition of, you know, we, we say yeah. it's unconstitutional because we say it is. The second point I needed to make up, break uh, is to make is they could have held back. The court could have refrained from causing all this chaos. They could have said, you know what, that memo got out. There are allegations about Thomas. We need to back up. We could reschedule this. We could re-argue this. But no, they are forcing a confrontation. This is the shock doctrine. Yep. Conservatives are driving us to the brink. This yep. is one step in that direction. The question is, are they going to prevail? Or is there going to be a backlash big enough to basically undo what they're doing? Will, thank you for the call. Holly in Lafayette, Louisiana. Hey, Holly, what's on your mind? Two points. First of all, um, I think Joe Biden was the only man who could have beat Donald Trump. But I do believe in 2024, DeSantis is going to run. And I think that Newsom has got to get the nomination. I think that Biden is too old, although I think he's brilliant. I'm not using ageism against him, but picture him against DeSantis. And Newsom is the antidote to that. Yeah, so I, there's a tip line where we can call the White House at 
I believe it's 202-456-1111. That's correct. Thank President Biden for everything he's done and ask him to not run in 24. Okay. All right. I get it, Holly. I, I don't know how this is going to shake out. I, I share your concerns broadly. Um, uh, and, and I think Gavin Newsom is a strong candidate. I also think Elizabeth Warren is a strong candidate. Um, I, I think there are a couple of strong candidates, really, you know, substantial strong candidates. I doubt Bernie's going to run again. Um, and, and he's got the same problem Joe Biden does. He's getting old, although it doesn't show with Bernie. I mean, his is uh, and, and I think that uh, for Biden, his stuttering makes it seem like he's a little more doddering than he is. Uh, unfortunately, correct. But uh, right, people you know. people say he's demented, and he's not. He has a stutter, and yeah. I tell them how cruel they are to call him demented. But um, I just think that Gavin Newsom could really win, beat DeSantis back. My last point is, you don't want to smear Sharia law, and I understand that. I have now started calling the Supreme Court members Ayatollahs. Yeah. I don't think they're any better. I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> I don't have a problem with that. I'm with you, Holly. Ayatollahs uh, in black you. robes. Thank you very much for the call. Uh, AJ in Gainesville, Florida. Hey, AJ, what's on your mind today? I wanted to talk about, well, the Supreme Court. Yeah, it, it's absolutely out of control. I agree. And the, and the other thing, AJ, is, um, you know, there have been several members. Uh, I think Zoe Lofgren last week on, on, in the news was uh, uh, in, on one of the, I think it was on MSNBC, was talking about this about how the DOJ has been reaching out to the you know, January 6th committee saying, uh, please share transcripts with us or you know, transcripts of interviews and things. And the committee has been pushing back on that. And I think they should, because if the DOJ gets you know, sworn testimony from uh, somebody speaking before the January 6th committee, they can just stick that in a drawer. But if the DOJ has, has to convene a grand jury, which they have done, if they've got a federal grand jury, mm -hmm. and that federal grand jury interviews somebody, and that somebody admits to or points the finger to a crime, that federal grand jury at that point has no choice. They can't stick it in a drawer. They have to issue an indictment or at least recommend an indictment. And so I think that the January 6th committee in saying to the DOJ, do your own damn work, get your own damn grand jury, interview your own damn witnesses. Um, and they're not saying it like that, but frankly, I think they should. Um, I think they're doing the right thing. And, and the DOJ needs to be pushed into this. And, and I'm glad to hear that it's starting. I didn't, I didn't catch the story about Ali Alexander, but um, that's good news. AJ, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, they should be working together. I agree 100 percent. Yeah, well, I think they should work together, but I, but I don't think that the January 6th committee should be doing the DOJ's work for them. I really no, think no. that the DOJ's grand jury needs to be interviewing these people. AJ got to run. Thank you. Uh, Michael in Sarasota, Florida. Hey, Michael, what's up? Ron Chernow, 2010, mm -hmm. won the Pulitzer Prize for writing Washington, A Life. And I would like to read something from another book that he wrote called Alexander Hamilton. It was his biography. Real short line. But I'm going to, this is why his book is going to be the, one of the first to go when Ron DeSantis gets his way in Florida. Okay. Here's the line. The Phocion essays contain the most withering critique that Hamilton ever leveled at Jefferson as a slaveholder. And they hint heavily at knowledge of the Sally Hammings affair. 
Oh, it was that. Now, those, it was public knowledge at the time. I mean, there were there, the the Federalist newspapers were trashing Jefferson for it. I, I have the book, by the way, right here in my hand. I, we just got a copy of it uh, last week. We're going to do a book report on it. But uh, I sent it to you. But you know, Hamilton also was involved in the slave trade at one point in his life. So you know, it's like there's nobody who ha whose hands or very few people whose hands were completely clean on this issue back in that time. Um, John Adams might have been, have been one of the few, actually, although because uh, he was from Massachusetts and, you know, he was uh, uh, outspokenly opposed to slavery. But then he had that fascist streak, too. So it's like, geez, these are just very imperfect people and, and really tough times. Michael, thank you for the call. And, and some, I think you could say, even way beyond imperfect people like Patrick Henry, just downright uh, evil in many regards. Dennis in Greenville, South Carolina. Hey, Dennis, thanks for watching us on YouTube. What's up? I love you, and you're a patriot to this country. We need more people like you, and we need more free speech stuff like yours. But I just wanted to say that, first off, Ronald Reagan started something I call as the deconstruction of America, where they systematically taken our rights away bit by bit. And then now the Supreme Court is like the final phase of this deconstruction thing that they've been doing. Because in his... In his uh, but in order to address, he said, we are not the Republican Party. We are the conservative party using the Republican Party as a vessel to put forth our agenda. And I always wondered back to what he meant by our agenda. And as I watched over the years, I saw that. I'm the old newspaper boy, you said, Supreme Court. So I just wanted, to let, just wanted to say that and see what you think about that. Thanks. I didn't, I didn't uh, know that that line was in Reagan's first inaugural address, where he said, we are not the Republican Party. You know, I'm, I'm representing a conservative movement within the Republican Party. We are not the Republican Party. We are the conservative party using the Republican Party as a vessel to put forth our agenda. That is quote unquote. <laughs> and that's a quote from what? From his inaugural address. Wow. Okay. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to look that up, Dennis. Dennis, thanks for that. I I, I appreciate the tip, uh, and th and thanks for your kind words, Rob in Waconia, Minnesota. Hey, Rob, what's up? Hey, Tom. How are you doing today? I'm fine. What's on your mind? Good. Hey, I wanted to follow up on uh, your fireworks mm -hmm. comments. Um, not only do they scare your pets but they also dump over 60,000 metric tons of CO2 into the environment. Wow. And also a significant amount of ozone. And the thing I'm thinking about, too, I was thinking about this this morning, they shoot them off over our lakes and rivers all the time, you know, because mm -hmm. they're a fire hazard. Yeah. So all of that casing and junk falls into the water. And where does the water go? Right, and not not, and it's not just the paper. You've got a lot of toxic byproducts from those from those explosives. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're poisoning the fish and the frogs and the and everybody else, and and you know, and, and in a country where you know we're averaging a couple hundred shootings a day or over a hundred shootings a day, do we really want to celebrate our nation by more shootings? You know, by explosions, by uh, you know. I, I, it just it just seems wrong to me, uh, Rob. So yeah, thank you very yep. much for that. Skyrocketing murder rates claims the National Fraternal Order of Police. I'm telling you, this is going to be the issue: law and order in the presidential election in two years. 
get ready. They're, the uh, GOP is going to try to reprise Richard Nixon. And, you know, it may well work. We'll see. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tim in Jackson, Wyoming. Hey, Tim, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, quickly to your point about fireworks, in addition to your pets and local neighborhood bunnies, I would also suggest that there's quite a few firefighters and uh, and uh, uh combat yeah. veterans that would like us to stop using uh, fireworks. Anyway, yep. uh, I wanted to follow up on uh, the caller from Indiana talking about the permitless carry. I'm originally from Indiana. Before they did the permitless carry, uh, they actually made permits free about a year ago, July actually of last year, 2021. That money, um, <laughs> all of the money that was that was raised from permits, uh, about $5.5 million a year, went to law enforcement agencies for training and for purchasing their weapons. So essentially what the Republicans did when they made permits free is they defunded the police. And, and there's actually, an, yeah, yeah, there's actually an article. Now they said that they were going to replace it with taxpayer money, with grant money, so on and so forth. There's an article uh, January of this year in the Fort, Fort Wayne Business Weekly, I believe, uh, where the sheriff of, of Angola, a, a town in northern Indiana, is complaining that they are not actually receiving that money, that he wanted to buy all of his deputies new handguns this year, and he's not able to afford to do so because the money that they lost from the permits. Um, so, yeah, so the, the, the Republican Party in Indiana that's screaming about the Democrats wanting to defund the police defunded the police in Indiana. Amazing. Right. And, you know, by the way, yeah. who else supports, generally speaking, an assault weapons ban nationwide? Cops. Almost oh, police. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. they're, they're, they're they outgunned. Yeah, they, they were actually, so the, the, the police, if, if you, if, if you uh, the police were against the bill, the, the, the bill from last year, the, sure. the one that defunded, the, the defunded them. They, were, they right. spoke out against it. Right. Uh, but, you know, Indiana Republicans said, well, you know, we're going to do what's right for the, no. you Republicans know. Republicans don't care about the cops. Uh, they, they, I mean, no. they'll, they'll use them when it's in their interest and they'll suck up to them, you know, when, when, when they think that'll get them votes. But at the end of the day, they don't care about the lives of our police. If they did, they'd get the guns off the streets, these weapons of war. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Tim, now, now, they, now, they, now they put more guns in the hands of uh, citizens and less, and less guns in the hands of police. They have fewer, the police have fewer guns thanks to the citizens having more guns now. Insane. In Indiana, so. Insane. Tim, thanks yep. a lot for the call. <laughs> and thanks for listening to SiriusXM. Mike in Chicago. Hey, Mike, what's on your mind? Uh, yeah, I was wondering if, uh, I don't know if it's possible, but if like legislation could be passed that all electronic media uh, prior to the program beginning, they actually have to define it as either news, entertainment, or opinion. If that would help like resolve any issues in regards to the way information is uh, gathered by people. The problem would be if someone, say Fox News, asserts that they are actually news rather than opinion, how do you prove that that's not true? 
somebody's got to be the arbiter of that. There has to be some, you know, f uh, federal bureau bureaucracy or agency that determines what's news and what's not. And, you know, in a rational administration, I'd have no problem with that. But if Donald Trump became president again or if Ron, San Ron DeSantis becomes president, I would have absolutely no faith in that agency. Um, I, there, you know, this is one of those areas where I agree with a lot of conservatives who say, you know, there have to be limits to government power. And and this is this is just one of those examples. I you know, I understand what you're trying to say, Mike. And and, you know, the, the, the fairness doctrine actually worked quite well in that regard. Not that it required, you know, a balance of, of opinions, because arguably it didn't. I mean, it only technically did with uh, editorial opinions from the ownership of the stations. But because it said that uh, radio and television stations must, quote, program in the public interest, end quote, and that was broadly interpreted to mean real news, and ABC, NBC, CBS, and AP all produced real news broadcasts for radio and television stations, uh, for the three big television networks at a, at a loss, you know, because that was the cost of keeping their licenses. There was this ethos of real news that went along with it. But I'm not sure we can recapture that. I mean, it, 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 it could be a real struggle. But hasn't Fox already categorized um, a lot of their uh, talent as entertainment as opposed, as opposed to news? They did that when they were sued. And, right. and in fact, there was one lawsuit uh, last year where, where the, the assertion was made that anybody who thinks that, I, I think it was Tucker Carlson, it was one of their prime time shows, anybody who believes that this is uh, absolute fact, um, you know, is, is uh, nuts wasn't the word that they used, but, um, you know, some... some uh, the intelligent person would know that that was yeah, not... Yeah, the, it was words to that effect. You know, a, a, a person with any, any kind of discernment or understanding should be able to, to uh, immediately understand that Fox is not providing actual news. And, uh, you know, and, and then, of course, there was the Fox RGBH lawsuit, which wasn't about Fox News, it was about Fox-owned television stations down in Florida back 15 years ago, uh, where uh, Jane Aker and Steve Wilson... Um, you know, uh, sued the station because they got fired for uh, refusing to lie about uh, Monsanto's bovine growth hormone. And the, the court upheld their lawsuit, their, their wrongful termination, and Fox appealed that to the appeals court. And the appeals court uh, ruled that Fox can order their on-air talent to lie to their viewers. They have that power. It's as an employer, they have that power. And uh, Steve and Jane lost the lawsuit ultimately at the appeals level. So, you know, it's like uh, Fox will say one thing in court and another thing on the air, shall we say. Mike, thanks a lot for the call. Laura Ingram. This is very bizarre. This, I, you know, I, I mentioned earlier how saddened I was by Tucker Carlson basically, you know, uh, oh, they're going to put SSRIs in your water supply. And, and, you know, probably today he'll say, oh, it was just a joke. Come on, can't you take a joke? Right. Well, yesterday, Laura Ingram did something very similar. This uh, uh, Michael uh, Luciano writing over at Mediaite.com. He notes, some critics note that... On Tuesday, Laura Ingram accused Thomas's, this is Clarence Thomas, 
accuses critics of racism. Specifically, she cited a segment from Don Lemon tonight. This was a conversation between Don Lemon and Jeffrey Tubin. And they're talking about the Loving case. Uh, Loving v. Virginia was the case in the 1960s, I forget which year, 64, I think, but whatever the year was, um, maybe even the late 50s. It was the case where the Supreme Court said that interracial marriage is no longer illegal in the United States. And when Clarence Thomas said, you know, we should look at other cases that have been based on basically the Griswold, uh, you know, this this expansion of, of privacy as a right, this idea, uh, in Griswold v. Connecticut, which I'm pretty sure was 65, um, you know, where in the Griswold case they said that, in fact, Loving might have been 67, but in any case, um, they, they, they said that uh, you have the right to have contraception, you have the right to own a condom in your home uh, as a married couple. Now, they didn't legalize condoms uh, for single people until 1972. But still, that was kind of the foundation of all this stuff. And Clarence Thomas said, oh, yeah, we should reevaluate Griswold. In other words, let's decide whether to let the states outlaw birth control. Birth control. And he said, let's reevaluate Lawrence. Lawrence v. Texas was the case uh, where in Texas it had been a crime for a man to have sex with a man or a woman to have sex with a woman. Or for a man and woman to have sex in certain positions. And Lawrence v. Texas said, the way that people have sex with each other is none of the state's damn business. And Clarence Thomas is, you know, in other words, decriminalized uh, sex between consenting adults and of all kinds. And uh, Clarence Thomas says, we need to revisit, you know, uh, Lawrence v. Texas. And then uh, Obergefell, you know, which uh, established the right to gay marriage. He said, we need to, re- we need to re-examine Obergefell. This is all in the in the echo of the Dobbs decision overturning Roe v. Wade, because Roe v. Wade was based on that same premise that you find in all three of those cases that I just laid out. Well, there's a fourth case that Clarence Thomas didn't mention that was also based on the foundation of, of uh, you know, or the same foundation, they used the same foundation, the same right to personal privacy and intimacy as you found in, in the Griswold case. And that was Loving versus Virginia, as I mentioned earlier, decriminalizing interracial marriage. And Clarence Thomas didn't mention that. And so here's the conversation uh, that uh, they had. Don Lemon said, uh, why doesn't he feel the same about interracial marriage? And Jeffrey Tubin said, well, you know, look, let's not be coy about that. Everybody knows he's married to a white woman. And so some people think, oh, he's not talking about Loving v. Virginia, which is the interracial case. In his defense, that case was also about privacy, like the abortion cases, but it also had a racial dimension, which makes it a somewhat different substantive due process case. And Lemon says, still, he didn't mention it. And Tubin laughs and says, I'm trying to be fair here, Don. And Lemon says, and Loving was just a couple of years before Roe. And Tubin says, I mean, look, it was a conspicuous absence, but you can articulate a reason why it's different. So, you know, it's an entirely rational conversation. Well, Laura, Laura Ingram played that last night, and she deleted that whole riff by Jeffrey Tubin about everybody, you know, about some people think he's not talking about Loving, which is the interracial case. In his defense, that case was also about privacy. You know, in other words, she played it in a way that made it look like Jeffrey Tubin and Don Lemon, who's black, were being racist or were accusing 
uh, Thomas of being racist or something like that. I mean, uh, Laura Ingram is like, oh, this is pretty gross. If you can't trust your news, what can you trust? I had a caller in the last hour, you know, my, my, uh, my uh, op-ed this morning over at HartmanReport.com. I, I, there was an error. There was a mistake. I, I mentioned uh, uh, Article 4 of the Constitution saying that, you know, Article 4 was where it says that there shall be no religious test for, for public office. And it was actually Article 6. It, I wrote it as IV. It was actually VI, right, because you use the Roman numerals. And, you know, Tom from, I forget where he's from, called up and said, you got that wrong. And I was like, thank you. I want to know when I say things that are not correct. And I want to correct them. Uh, you know, I, I'm not always a fan of being corrected on the air, but, you know, I, I take it. It's, and and I, I particularly appreciate it when people do it on Twitter and, you know, in places that are a little less conspicuous and I can fix my errors. But because I'm a human being just like everybody else. But the bottom line is my credibility is all I've got. I, if people couldn't trust what I have to say, they would stop listening. We put a lot of work into making sure that what we do and what we say on this program is accurate. And when it's not accurate, we correct it. And I just, I just find it astonishing. If you go over to MediaMatters.org, virtually every day, there's some story on Fox News or other right-wing media that Media Matters is calling out. Donald Trump has, you know, he's kind of defined the Republican Party as a post-truth political party. He told over 30,000 documented lies, documented by the Washington Post. They kept a running total throughout the four years of his presidency. 30,000 lies. I mean, it was like every day he'd get, he'd get out in front of the White House. And this, is, by the way, is lingering to this day. I, I talk to right-wingers, Republicans call into the show, and they will, they will quote this lie from Trump. He would say, oh, the economy is better than it's ever been. No president has ever created as many jobs. No president has ever had the stock market so high. Well, yeah, the stock market went up, but no president ever had it as high because that's true of every president. <laughs> Literally every president has a stock market higher than the guy behind him, except for Trump, of course. Uh, when Trump left office, the market was down again, and, and Herbert Hoover as well. But the point is that you know Trump claiming that the market, the unemployment was better than it had ever been, that was a lie. Obama's economic record was much better than Donald Trump's in terms of employment, in terms of growth of GDP, in terms of keeping down the national, uh, the national debt, the deficit. Basically, any metric you want to apply, Obama's economy was better than Donald Trump's in terms of, you know, basically any, but, but Trump went out and literally lied about it every day because those lies stick. And that's why I think it's so important that we have truth in our media. Now, I, you know, I'm not suggesting that it's time to bring in the thought police or go after Fox or any other right-wing outlet or a left-wing outlet if they're lying to people and say, oh, we, the government, are going to decide what's truth and what's not. I, that, that's a very dangerous road to go down. But I do think it's important for those of us in the reality-based world to point out when the not-reality-based world is spouting their BS particularly when it's the kind of BS that can lead to violence or that lead or that alters people's political opinions based on lies. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. One, two. 
three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader.